Broncos country is certainly making some noise as the Denver Broncos officially fell to the Jacksonville Jaguars, making them 0-4 in the 2019 season at the very bottom of the barrel in the NFL. Last place in the AFC West. Are things going to get any better? We got to shift through some stuff, guys, and, and try to see what we can make of this Broncos team. We're going to do it, Broncos country. This is Luke, host of Broncos on the Rocks, presented to you by Mile High Reports. And I guess the first thing I'd like to open the show with is I'm a fan of the old saying, Bill Parcells, you are what your record says you are. And right now, the Broncos are not a winning football team. The Jacksonville Jaguars game was very revealing in many ways. Um... I've never seen Broncos country so dejected or angry and just flat out embarrassed until Dagville. Walking out of that stadium, the Jaguars, everyone was quiet. Everyone was quiet. And you could see the look on fans' faces. Frustration. Embarrassment. And none of it's getting better. That's one of the biggest problems that this team has right now. Broncos country has lost its faith in the team. And the team, well, I think the team's kind of lost faith in itself. I want to dive through a couple different things. I want to look at offense. I want to look at defense. And then I want to answer a huge question that is continually asked in Broncos country right now. Should John Elway, general manager that ever Broncos, be fired We're going to dive into that, but first, let's talk a little bit about that Jacksonville game. Looking at the Broncos' defense, tons of mixed reaction. It was a roller coaster throughout the game. Um, I guess I want to get to the silver linings of the defense first because, well, there aren't that many of them. Um, But first of all, they broke the sack streak. They've got five sacks from this game. Von Miller was able to get two on the board. Bradley Chubb was able to get one on the board. Uh, Demarcus Walker, anybody remember him? He got one on the board, and your rookie, your undrafted rookie, Malik Reed, also got a sack. So it appeared that the Broncos' defense was going to be handling things for most of the afternoon up until uh, right before halftime when Joe Flacco threw an interception that eventually led to a swinging of momentum in the entire game. And... Other than those sacks, other than Vaughn seeming to play a pretty decent game. I mean, he had four tackles. Chubb had four tackles. Um, I know Vaughn went went all out, and you could feel it, and you could see it. Um, but still, this defense does not have any turnovers. Zero. Zip. Nada. No turnovers in the NFL. That will lose you football games, especially when you're turning the ball over. You are losing in that column for turnovers Every week, every week you're losing that. And watching Leonard Fournette dominate what I thought was a better Broncos run defense than is advertised was absolutely astounding. Leonard Fournette went 29 carries for 225 yards. And at times, it didn't look like any of the Broncos players really wanted to tackle Leonard Fournette. I know that... 
the Jacksonville Jaguars got away with some holding penalties, especially on that long run from, you know, the Broncos end zone out. I think it was like a 60, 70 plus yard run by Leonard Fournette. And, but regardless, the guy dominated you. He absolutely dominated you. And then you look at the the rookie phenom, right? Quarterback Gardner Minshew. It was pretty much a coming out party for him. The guy went 19 for 33, 213 yards and two touchdowns as a rookie. That's a guy that scouts said did not have a strong arm. He was not quick. And his decision-making at times is questionable. And I watched a rookie quarterback scramble around, get the job done against Super Bowl 50 MVP Von Miller and one of the best pass rushers in the league last year, Bradley Chubb. And he didn't let them rattle him. He was able to keep his composure, show his athleticism and his wherewithal above the shoulder pads to withstand Vic Fangio's defense. When you look at the Broncos' defense, as I mentioned earlier, you're not looking at a lot. You're looking at those sacks, which sound great. If I were to tell you the Broncos got five sacks in this game, coming from none the last three weeks, you would probably tell me the Broncos are going to win this game, and you would be mistaken. It's amazing to me how the Denver Broncos are finding new ways to lose every single week in the NFL. This week, they decided to let the Jacksonville Jaguars run all over them. They decided to let Gardner Minshew take his shots, and it killed him. It absolutely killed him, and it showed one of their biggest weaknesses. No surprise here. It's a lack of depth, folks. It's that simple. You start breaking down the position groups within the defense, and that defensive line, it's just not working right now. And Derek Wolf, I love the guy. He's my favorite Bronco. I've gotten to interview him a couple different times, speak with him at private events, And the guy, I know he's a warrior. I know he's a savage, as Von Miller likes to describe him. But the guy's aging. He's injured. He's not able to provide everything that he used to provide. He is a leader of that locker room. But he's one of those older dogs. And I'm wondering if if that's some of the disconnect. And we're going to talk about that later. But he's an older dog. This is probably his last year as a Bronco. I look at Shelby Harris, and I'm not quite sure what they're doing with Shelby Harris. Now, last year, Shelby Harris had a lot of success in Vance Joseph's defense. This year, he's not having hardly any success. To me, Shelby Harris, he's more of a rotational defensive lineman. He's not a starter. He's not your nose guard. He's he's just not that, that player. So they're not using Shelby Harris correctly, in my opinion, because they don't have that starting nose guard that Vic Fangio wants. You look at Adam Gotsis, it's just not working. Uh, Demarcus Walker, he's a work in progress, I guess. But that's just the defensive line. And you shift over, you start to look at the linebackers. Josie Jewell, he's hurt and busted up. Bradley Chubb, that ACL, defensive end slash linebacker, that ACL tear, that's going to keep him out the whole year. And it's absolutely devastating. And to have Josie Jewell banged up and Todd Davis, who's still recovering from an injury, folks. He's this only his second game. Todd Davis still recovering from that nasty injury on day one, suffered out there at training camp. I was there for it, standing with the media. It was awful. And Todd Davis still managed to get seven tackles on defense. I think he played a decent game for the most part, especially with it being his second game. 
move on over and look at the defensive backs a little bit, and we've got problems. Why? Well, Kareem Jackson's hurt, so the injury bug is completely bit. Almost every unit of this team, minus the kicker slash punter, knock on wood there, just to make sure, but... You look at Kareem Jackson, he's hurt. He's a safety that's essentially playing slot cornerback. And he never took any slot cornerback reps at training camp at all. Not once. Why? Because Bryce Callahan, that was supposed to be his position. And Bryce Callahan cannot get on the field. That's the bottom line. The guy cannot get on the field. He's never finished a whole season of an NFL schedule. The guy's got injury problems that are lingering from last year into this year. And quite frankly, the Broncos, the whole secondary unit is suffering because of it. You look at guys like TJ Yadam, who had his confidence shaken the first two weeks, and we've seen less and less of him. Um, Where do you want to go? Show me a unit on this defense that has depth. Because I'm telling you right now, they don't have it. And then you go from... Me walking out with fans and media and my wife, and we can't hear anything. Fans aren't talking. The stadium is just quiet. The anger, disappointment, embarrassment is so loud that it does not have volume, if that makes sense. The silence was deafening. And as we walk out with our silence, we realize that a little bit later on, players are fighting in the locker room. Now, now, they're not physical fighting, but they're yelling and screaming. Surprise, surprise, it's American football, folks. Screaming, cursing, and yelling does happen in the NFL. It does happen in football. So if you're offended by that, I'm sorry, but that's just the way the game is. These are grown men, grown athletes, and they've got egos too, folks. <laughs> Make no mistake about it. They have egos too, and when you have all those egos bottled up in what is a toxic and losing environment, things are going to happen. And there's some rumors right now that Chris Harris Jr. and Justin Simmons got into it. They eventually came out and said, you know, nothing specific as to who was screaming at who or anything like that. But we're all brothers. We're in it together. You've got a quote from Chris Harris Jr. from Mark Kisla, you know, the post saying, I've got 13 games left. As he's walking out the door, Chris later kind of retracted that statement, said it it didn't happen. I don't know. You can go down that whole wormhole if you want, but it shouldn't be a surprise if you're a Broncos fan. Now, yesterday, Vic Fangio decided the Broncos need help tackling. So what did he do? He busted out the tackling dummies. That's because the Broncos refused to tackle any of the Jacksonville Jaguars. At times, it looked like it was a straight... I don't give a blank effort. And that's not going to cut it. That is not Broncos football. And Broncos country will never accept that lack of effort or execution from their team. And they shouldn't. It's the bottom line. Now, looking at the offense, first things first, you got to look at the quarterback. And on paper, Joe Flacco looks, looks good, right? 22 for 38, 303 yards. Three touchdowns and a pick. You know, if he's a fantasy quarterback, you did okay. It's not bad. He's on pace for one of his better seasons. But that one interception before halftime, that changed the entire game. It changed the entire feel. 
it changed the entire mindset for Jacksonville. And Jacksonville came out on fire in the second half. Now, Joe Flacco, I'm not going to say he's the reason they lost because he's not. He played a good game. The offense, actually, they, they did a lot of decent things. But Joe Flacco's not the problem, but he's also not your leader either. He's not the guy that I see really giving a gee whiz one way or another. Uh, when I hear him talk, I get he's cool Joe, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, I want passionate quarterbacking. I want a passionate leader. I want someone that can command the respect of the team. And if a Super Bowl MVP champion can't do it, then, yeah, let's see what we have in Drew Locke. Absolutely. Another reason to play Drew Locke when he gets healthy. Now, Rich Gangarello, I'm I'm just floored. He's abandoned the rushing game. He's completely abandoned it. I mean, Philip Lindsay gave the ball nine rushes for 53 yards. Royce Freeman, six rushes for 16 yards. I said last week I wanted the Broncos offense to limit Joe Flacco to 20 passes. What do they do? They almost double it with 40 attempts, 38. 38's the actual number. Multiply that by two. There you go, 40. Almost double it. Well, I also said if they give the ball to Royce Freeman 20 times, they're going to get over 100 yards rushing and just one featured running back. That's not happening either. The Broncos continue to to chase teams. Now, that wasn't the case in the Jacksonville game because they led. They were actually leading. It was unbelievable. And right before halftime, that pick changed the entire game. You look at the receiving core and Cortland Sutton, the guy continues to ball out. He seems to be getting better as the season's going on. He's one of those that is progressing on the offense. And I think along with him and Dalton Reisner, those are your two guys that are actually, you're seeing the improvement week by week. Emmanuel, I think he's kind of peaked and he's there. So I'm not going to say he's not an improving player, but I think he's already there. He's already arrived. We're waiting on Cortland Sutton, Dalton Reisner. He's a rookie, but you look at Cortland Sutton, six receptions, 62 yards, two touchdowns, phenomenal. You look at Deshaun Hamilton, and Joe Flacco tries to go back to him. He got three balls for 57 yards, but he also was dropping some balls too. And it looks like there are just so many mental errors with Deshaun Hamilton that he can't seem to escape it. And I know a lot of folks still have a lot of hope and promise for Deshaun Hamilton. I like him too. But the guy was the most disappointing receiver. Make that player in all of training camp. So we got to see how he's going to do. Now, at times, this offense shows glimpses of the potential that it can be. But that potential is strictly player only. It's not the team. It's not the potential of the offense here in Denver 2019. No. You see that Cortland Sutton's progressing into a number one wide receiver. You see that Dalton Reisner is going to be one of your anchors on the offensive line for a decade. You see those things. That should be a major silver lining in the offense. Now, the last thing I want to touch on with the offense before we move on, Royce Freeman, I'm going to keep saying it until they do it or until they prove me wrong. Because Royce Freeman, watching the Jaguars use Leonard Fournette was infuriating to me. One, because they refused to tackle him. But two, Royce Freeman should be used in the exact same way they use Leonard Fournette. 
Now, Leonard Fournette doesn't have the pass-catching ability that Royce Freeman does, who, by the way, Royce Freeman got much better, significantly better, as I talk to evaluators and scouts around the league. He's gotten significantly better this year in those specific areas. Now, route running, that's great when you're a running back, but featured touches, that's what I want. Featured running back, you got to give that man the ball. Especially when you're an 0-4 team. I get it. You can try to air it out and see where that gets you. But I, I think we're seeing that already. A lot of times, Joe Flacco, he's off target with his receivers. Or things aren't the chemistry's not there. He can't get the ball to him because he's sacked or has to throw it in the dirt. So it's just not working. The rushing game, I'm, I'm very disappointed that they've abandoned it. So we'll have to see how they do against the Los Angeles Chargers here on Sunday. Now I want to get to the big one, the the conversation that is had on every radio station here in Colorado. It's on social media. I'm sure you log on Facebook, Twitter, Google John Elway, and this question will come up. Broncos country is asking themselves, should general manager John Elway be fired? And when you look at it, I think you need to evaluate that question before you can truly answer it. So as I evaluate that question, should John Elway be fired? I'm looking at the team as it sits right now. And the Broncos are trying to avoid their first 0-5 start in franchise history. They have never started the first five games in all of their existence by losing. If that happens this Sunday, that is a new low and a new rock bottom for the Denver Broncos. Something that's very ugly, very nasty, and very realistic. Now, the Broncos also have 16 wins and 32 losses in their last 42 games. You do the math, it doesn't look too good. Overall, the Broncos just don't seem to have enough talent. You know, I'm just not seeing it. And everybody, before we get on the last two years draft class, yes, I get it. But you know what? Five years outweigh two. And some of these draft picks, they're gone. They've come and gone. We've talked about it. And there's really no point to go over them all because we've just nailed it over and over and over. John Elway has failed in the draft. And, yes, his drafts are getting better. But by not having those seasoned players now, you're struggling. You have no depth. You have young players and a few old guys. That's it. Well, What about free agents, Luke? You know, 2019 free agents. How'd those work out? You know, it's like, well, Bryce Callahan, corner, he can't play. He's hurt. Kareem Jackson, he's hurt. Jawan James, your offensive tackle. The Dolphins couldn't wait to get rid of him. He's hurt. Now, there's some rumors that the Broncos floated the idea of trading C.J. Anderson for Jawan James years ago, and it just didn't happen. But it's very odd to me when you talk to people around the league, especially those that are very close with the Dolphins, and they're telling you, we couldn't wait to get rid of this guy. And then Denver goes out and makes him one of the highest-paid offensive tackles, if not the highest-paid offensive tackle in the league. The Broncos are severely underachieving. That's another reason you have to look at holding John Elway accountable as it relates to his position now, those draft misses, we talked about those. They're they're costly. But when you have the worst record post-Super Bowl win in modern history, that's bad. 
That's really bad. To quote VJ, that's ugly, right? It's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. It's disgusting that the Denver Broncos have become a walking punchline in the NFL. They're a joke. They're not Miami Dolphins joke. I'm not going to say that. And for the Dolphins fans that want to argue, the Broncos suck too. They're just as bad. Yeah, they, they might be just as bad in the record column, but I promise you that the Dolphins are in a whole new pit of misery than the, the Broncos are in. So that's that's silver lining. You can look at that, Broncos country. You got that going for you. So that's good. Um, but I also want to ask this question because it blows my mind that it hasn't come up yet. Why is Matt Russell not sharing any of the accountability in this? Why is his name not attached to any of these failed drafts? Somebody has to ask this question, and I'm willing to ask it. What about Matt Russell? He's supposed to be in charge of one of the smaller scouting units for the Broncos in the NFL. And some of these picks, they're not quite working out. So you have to look at those things when the question is, should the Broncos fire John Elway? Now, if you want my answer, should the Broncos fire John Elway? Absolutely not. No. And it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Now, the reason I say that is, one, John Elway is the ultimate competitor. He's the ultimate competitor. You can feel it when you talk to him. You can feel it when you're around him. And there is no way he is going to leave this Broncos team in this gigantic mess. I don't see it. Because guess what, Broncos country? He's not getting fired either. Joe Ellis is not going to fire the most beloved Denver icon of all time. He's not going to do it. Who wants to replace John Elway? You're not going to do it. Who wants to fire John Elway? You're not going to do it. Now, I've been around John at practice. I've seen him at these local pro days. Hell, I played against Jack Elway in high school when John was coaching him as quarterback's coach. I've been around John Elway most of my life. And John Elway... The quarterback, one of my favorite players of all time. The the best. The absolute best. John Elway, the general manager, as I sit here today, analyzing the game of professional football, he has a lot to work on. He has a lot to work on. Now, I think that the Broncos, they do need to hold John Elway accountable. And his feet need to be pressed to the fire a little bit. And I don't know if that's... A conversation between him and Joe Ellis that's a little ugly. But Elway's not going to get fired, okay? His contract runs through 2021, and that's with a pending player lockout, mind you, that's also coming. It's just not going to happen. And for me, the last two drafts, John Elway's got this thing. He's heading it in the right direction. I feel like it's going in the right direction when you look at these young players like Bradley Chubb. And Cortland Sutton. I know Philip Lindsay. I'm not going to include him because he wasn't drafted. That's the bottom line. And other teams called him the Broncos, Mrs. Lindsay. Everybody knows that story. So you look at some of these younger players. Josie Jewell, I know he's struggling a little bit, but he's all you got. And I think the guy definitely is trying to improve. But when you're fighting an injury, that's just kind of the way these things are ultimately going to go. Um, you can argue whether or not Isaac Yadam has been a good hit. Uh, Demarcus Walker, he's starting to emerge a little bit, but 
I think ultimately John's got a different draft philosophy where he's trying to take the best overall football player instead of the best overall athlete, a la Garrett Bowles. We've gone down that road. Don't want to talk about it. Garrett Bowles, by the way, has to be one of the most happy Broncos right now because the spotlight's shining just a little less on him. Hasn't gotten a holding penalty since uh, actually the last two weeks. So since that horrendous game in which he got four to five. But um, yeah, just looking at it, John Elway's not going anywhere. He is, unless he decides to. And quite frankly, he's earned that right. Does Broncos country have a right to be mad? Of course. But something that absolutely drives me nuts, and I'm willing to challenge just about anyone with this, is when somebody says, John Elway should be fired. I have one question for them. Who's going to be his replacement? And if you don't know who his replacement's going to be and you're not prepared to answer that question, to me, that is a lazy, ignorant, sloppy sports take. That's all it is. Why? Because before you get rid of a guy who has been involved in every championship, 1997, 1998, and Super Bowl 50, that the Broncos have earned, you got to give me something here. You got to give me a name that's going to surpass that. You got to give me a name that's going to do a better job because I don't see him. And I'm not an NFL executive expert. I'm not even going to pretend to be. But just thinking off the top of my head, I mean, Rick Smith's out there, right? Him and Houston, they didn't get along. I guess Rick Smith, you could float his name out there. Um, Who, by the way, Rick Smith, he's got ties with Ted Sundquist, Mike Shanahan, the Denver area. So that's not a far fetch. Um, A lot of people want to point out Peyton Manning. Well, yeah, we know that he's got some interest in, in some things, but for him to come right in and start cleaning up John's mess at 0-4, absolutely not. That's not going to happen this year. It's not going to happen next year. Uh, John's not going anywhere, folks. <laughs> That's just the way it is. So when people are calling for John Elway's job publicly on the radio or in print or When you're arguing with your friends on what direction the fans need to go in and the Broncos need to go in, use your logic, not your heart, because the heart, sometimes you overreact at first and you've got to use that logic. And I know at Broncos country, y'all are educated. That's why Broncos country is the best fan base in the NFL, because it makes educated decisions on players and coaches. And right now it's split 50-50 on what should happen with John Elway. And that's okay. That's a good thing. It's a good thing to have these conversations because they matter and they're relevant and they're important. It's when people are not having these conversations, you realize that your franchise is in the absolute dump because no one cares. And that's my biggest fear is that if things continue to go this way, at what point are Broncos country going to start to disconnect? As I walked out of that stadium and I was able to take my wife with me this week, um, we couldn't believe how many people were upset and quiet, quietly upset, angry, embarrassed, all those emotions. And then I turn on post-game reaction on on 104.3 The Fan and I'm hearing season ticket holders say, I didn't go to the game today because I knew the outcome. It's been the same thing the last three, four years. I'm not doing it. I'm not going to spend my money. I'll sell my tickets. 
and find something else to do with my Sunday. And that's a big fear for me, especially being an analyst that uh, covers such a passionate fan base. The Broncos have got to get things figured out. John Elway has got to get things figured out now. Now, he did come out this week on his local radio show uh, with Dave Logan on 850 KOA, and he did take some accountability for some of those things and said that he needs to get better. It's on him for, you know, figuring out the direction of this team. And he's right, but he also said he feels like it's they're trending up and he, quote, feels like they're on the rise. So that's something to look forward to if you're Broncos country, but right now, buckle up for the long haul. Keep having these conversations. They matter, and so do the Denver Broncos. Thank you guys a lot for joining me here on this episode of Broncos on the Rocks, presented to you by Mile High Reports. have to give a quick shout-out to Ian St. Clair, host of Adam and Ian's podcast, Mile High Report Radio. You can find them on Spotify, iTunes, and any podcast outlet, really. Um, Released a new logo and image that the St. Clair family was kind enough to work up for me. So want to give a huge shout out to the St. Clair family. Thank you very much. Please be sure to give us that like and thumbs up review and follow Mile High Report for all of your latest Broncos action. Thank you guys for joining me. This is Luke from Mile High Report saying always believe in that Mile High magic.